0: Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message.
1: Welcome to all of our campuses. All of you watching online, glad you're here. You're looking good today. Um, Two things, movement Conference this past weekend, over a thousand middle school and high school students were at our campus, overtook Frisco East, awesome. I just want to say to all the kids, uh, you're awesome. To Will Perry, our student uh, pastor who's over all our campuses, and then every youth pastor, volunteer worker, home opener this weekend. Can we give it up for them? We're so grateful for you guys. I know they're probably sleeping. They've had a busy, busy weekend. Um, And then this Thursday night, this is uh, the 29th of February. Uh, we're hosting here at Hope, Frisco East Campus, uh, Fentanyl Awareness at 6 p.m., and uh, man, it, uh, this is good for everyone, uh, especially if you have kids. The, uh, it's going to be like an hour to an hour and 15, 20 minutes. It's not like your whole night, but 6 p.m. here at this campus, Fentanyl Awareness, our police chief uh chief shilson who goes to our church he's going to be hosting i'll be welcoming and then there's going to be a panel discussion just awareness just a a testimony um just stuff that that is really going to be good and we're excited to host that uh next weekend we start a brand new series leading up to easter and let me let me just talk to you about this this is a great um series to invite people far from god who are in your life maybe neighbors or co-workers friends at school Family members that, that may be wondering about Jesus or or faith and and it find it difficult to believe or all those. This is going to be a, one of those series that leading up to Easter is great for people uh, to invite to a service. So whatever campus you go to, I encourage you next weekend and the whole month leading up to Easter. Easter's a little early this year; it's in March. So uh, invite some friends. I think it's going to be really, really good and and, uh, give some people some food for thought. Today, we're going to finish our series called Committed. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about committed to Jesus, committed to a healthy marriage. Last week, if you missed Mike Foster, you need to go back and watch this online. Uh, Committed to Knowing Our Deepest Needs, the seven primal questions. Uh, Get the book. You can take the assessment. It's just all great stuff. Today, I want to talk about committed to forgive, and I know we love uh, to talk about forgiveness. It's such an easy topic uh, to to discuss, but I think it's really, what well, I know, that it's really important because relationships matter to God. We know that. He instituted the institution of marriage. Uh, it's not good for man to be alone. There, there is a relational dynamic that comes, uh, that, that I believe is is from God, that that helps our lives, and it's so healthy, but it also adds complication. If you get more than one person in the room, there is going to be the need for forgiveness, okay? Because that's just the way it is. We we operate in selfishness sometimes. We operate in not thinking sometimes, and we violate somebody, we hurt somebody, we talk about somebody, and I also understand that it goes far beyond just a graze to the heart, you know, just like a side swipe to the heart. A lot of times, and some of us, wherever you are, maybe watching online or here at a campus, uh, you have have experienced some of the deepest hurt that we don't even talk about on, on the stage. And I understand, when I say understand, I understand that dynamic. I've never walked in your shoes, and so I don't pretend to understand what it's like to deal with that in your life. However, I hope that our hearts would be open to not what I say about forgiveness, but what the Lord says, what scripture teaches us about forgiveness. And the reason is because relationships matter to God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, in some translations, all your strength. Equally as important is love your neighbor, as yourself. Relationships matter to God. And so today, where we're going to go, we're going to go to one passage. It is the most famous passage on forgiveness, I would say, Matthew 18. Going to look at um, some observations out of Matthew 18, and and then we're going to end with Romans 12 and I want you to open your hearts, no matter who you are, no matter what brokenness you come from, dysfunction in your relationships, a family of origin, your marriage, uh, your immediate family now, friendships, uh, ex-husband, ex-wife, I mean, it goes, the list goes on. I want you to open your hearts, um, as hard as it may be, to say to the Lord today, I want to humble myself. And I want to hear what you have for me. And some of you may have issues with the Lord. And there is a, a bitterness, there is a, um, a confusion, a hurt against the Lord because something has happened that you don't understand, that we don't understand. And we may never, I'll talk about that in a minute. But I want you to open your hearts. We're going to go to Matthew 18. Let's look at what Jesus says about forgiveness. Then Peter came to him and asked, "'Lord, how often should I forgive someone "'who sins against me?' Seven times?' "'No, not seven times,' Jesus replied, "'but 70 times seven. "'Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared "'to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date "'with servants who had borrowed money from him. "'In the process, one of his debtors was brought in "'who owed him millions of dollars.' He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him, not just withheld prison from him, but he released him and forgave his debt. Now this is a picture of our relationship with God. This is a picture of the Lord and the many debts, the sin in our lives that has been forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And this is a picture of the millions of dollars, so to speak, that we've owed and we have been forgiven, not put in prison to repay it, but been forgiven, released of the debt. Next part of the story. But when the man left the king, that same man, who's been forgiven, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants who were, who were in both meetings saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who had, forgi- who had he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy? Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father, and listen to this, this is hard for us to take, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. There is a dynamic here by which the Lord allows us to stay in a prison when we choose not to forgive. You've heard it said, and I truly believe this, that when you and I withhold forgiveness because of what someone has done to us, the main person who is in prison, who pays for that, is us. That's exactly what's described right here. That the Lord allows us to live our lives in brokenness and our relationships, if you look at the history of our relationships, Going in the past and going forward, there's always some kind of messy dysfunction in all of them because we have a brokenness about our lives. Not because we've experienced pain or hurt. All of us have experienced pain or hurt, but because we have allowed that to become a bitter part of our lives and every relationship going forward including your relationship with God including your relationship with your neighbor goes into dysfunction and 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 a lack of health and and really a a brokenness and a bitterness and I'll talk more about that in a minute. So as it relates to this passage these are not rock this is not rocket science. But let's just go through the ideas of this passage. The first one is forgive when asked. This is a posture this is a heart that is postured not in pride or arrogance or anger, but a, a posture that like before you're even wronged, we would have the posture of, I'm going to forgive. I'm going I'm to live my life with a heart open, not guarded. Now, that's easier said than done for those of us who have been hurt relationally, especially in marriage. But... I want to live, he, he describes it this way, that, that our heart would be open to forgive when we're asked. Let me give you just some practical, I'm just going to run through this list quickly, practical tips on, on forgiveness. Be open and receptive to forgiveness. Again, this is posture. This is us just saying yes. So the answer, listen, when someone asks us to forgive them, the answer is not I'll think about it. Now, in the natural, totally get it. I mean, I know, I understand. I've been there. I've been wronged. I've been hurt. And and, and the natural response is, I don't know. I don't know if I can forgive you. Some of us in anger have said, I will never forgive you. Well, again, we're not looking in the natural. We're looking at what Jesus calls us to live, which is a little more supernatural, which is a little more with his help, the help of the Holy Spirit transforming our hearts to be the person who says, Yes, yes. Next one, make a conscious decision to forgive. Now, how many understand that once you say, yes, I forgive you, how many know in two days you might feel that same anger? Does it make sense? In three days, you might be like mad again. And you're like thinking of all kinds of ways in which that was hurtful and that was wrong. So forgiveness is a conscious decision not just once. It is, okay, when that anger, when that circumstance comes up again, they've already asked for forgiveness, and you said yes, and then you find yourself a week later angry again and ticked again. You ever found this in marriage? Look straight ahead. It, it happens. It happens, right? Well, it's, a, it's a, just a decision that I'm just gonna, okay, I'm, going to, I'm gonna make this decision to forgive. next. Refrain from throwing a mistake back in a remorseful person's face or using it as ammunition in an argument. Now again, straight ahead here, look straight ahead, but this happens, right? When you get so frustrated with, with especially in a marriage relationship, but really any, you bring back up the, the, the atomic bomb, so to speak, that you always bring, because you don't know what else to say, so it's like, well, and two years ago you, or 10 years ago you, that is a great sign of you have not forgiven, you've just gone through the motions. And this is easier said than done. I totally get that, but I'm just helping give practical, I'm in this with you, practical steps. Next one is, accept that you might never know the reason for the hurtful behavior. You you may never know why they did what they did, and, and especially if you have a parent who's passed away, or someone who's passed away, and you just, you're just like, golly, what? You can never make it right. You can never have that conversation. You can, and and we, we, we long for that. There are times in which we just have to know that, you know what, I don't know the reason. I don't know. But again, our posture is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust the Lord with this, and I'm going to open my heart for forgiveness. Next is remember that forgiveness does not mean you condone the hurtful behavior. It doesn't mean you're condoning, and we're going to talk more in depth about about um, you know what 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 forgiveness is and what it isn't. Um, but it's not condoned just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you affirm or 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 condone what they're doing. It just means see that's between them and God. You and I are responsible for our hearts. They're responsible for their hearts and what they've done and why they did it and how they did it. You and I are responsible for our hearts before the Lord. And it's, I want it to always be, I want my heart to always be a yes, yeah, I forgive you. Now we're gonna talk about rest- restoration and when that's not possible. We're gonna talk about that in a minute, but just stay with me. Remember that it's, it's not condoning. Be patient with yourself, forgiveness takes time. It's a journey. So understand that you're gonna have to consciously decide to, to, to forgive. And, and, to, and it's going to come back up again, and the feelings of anger or hurt or whatever, you're just going to say, Lord, I've already said that I would forgive. God, help me. Help me to have a spirit, an, an open heart, a humility about this. Next is seek professional counseling if you are still unable to forgive or you can't stop dwelling on the hurt. That's just a, a great time to just say, hey, man, I need some tools here. And that's what counselors come alongside of us, Christian counselors can come alongside of us and, and help us unpack some things that maybe we had no idea that we're still down in there and then give us some tools to help us navigate forgiveness and letting go and releasing because when you release that, guess who gets released the most? We do, we do. Now, let me give you some thoughts about Asking for forgiveness—that's when we're asked to forgive. What about when we need to ask for forgiveness? Let me just put some helpful tips on the screen. Show true contrition and remorse for the pain you've caused. I'm gonna—I'm gonna say this in one of the things in just a minute. But this, when when you say, "Hey, I, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry for what I did," this is not the time to say, "Get over it." Okay, this, that's not your responsibility. It's not time for you to say, hey, well, you know, I'm sorry you're so sensitive. Does that make sense? Because a lot of times when we say I'm sorry, what we're really saying is I'm sorry you're so sensitive that you got hurt over that. You are pitiful. And we're just thinking it, we don't say it. But we're just, we're sorry you got hurt. There's a difference between saying I'm sorry and I ask you to forgive me. Does that make sense? Sorry, and now, now I'm not saying sorry is easy for some of you, some of you came out of the womb angry, right? You came out of the womb, just I can't, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm sorry. I have a friend like this. They cannot, it's, it's like all they can do, they cannot say I'm sorry. They cannot say, I, would you forgive me? So I know, I know how this is and they were very close friends and now they're like this kind of friend. And I'll explain more about that in a minute. They're like, I'm, I'm like, no, you're not, you're, not, you're not getting that close because, because you uh, are weird. <laughs> and I'm not gonna let you and uh, your stupidness get in. Okay, so anyway, true contrition and remorse. So make a commitment to not hurting the person again by repeating the hurtful behavior. So in, inside yourself, you're just saying, you know what, I, I, wanna, I wanna make sure that I don't, I don't keep doing that. If you said something about someone behind their back, if you lied about something, and, and, and you, you want to make sure you don't continue that kind of behavior. Next is accept the consequences of the action that created the hurt. That relationship, listen to me, that relationship may not be restored. And that may be a result of the consequence of your actions. And that doesn't even mean that the other person did not forgive you. That just means the consequences of the action May you may have lost a, a close relationship that 's not unbiblical we 're going to talk about that in a minute all right next be open to making amends. What this means is perhaps let 's just use this example. You said something to a group of people about someone else that was not true. You may or may have not have known that it 's gossip or it 's hurtful something that you did to gain, uh, make yourself look better, so you said it about somebody else, and maybe it was true, and then you realize, that was wrong, somebody heard about it, they heard about it, and they come to you, and they're like, what's up, and it's like, yeah, you know what, I'm wrong. Amends is not just saying, I'm sorry, amends is saying to the group that you told, hey, guys, I messed up, I shouldn't have said that, and all I did was try to make myself look better, and them look worse. And, I'm, and I ask for your forgiveness that I did that to them. I've already asked them. You know, that, that's, that's amends. Next is make a heartfelt and verbal apology. This should include a plan of action to, to, to make things right. So a lot of times what's, what's helpful, I say this or give this counsel to a lot of people, is maybe you need to write a letter. A letter can be helpful for those of us who struggle to communicate face-to-face. I'm not saying not communicate face-to-face. I'm just saying sometimes a letter we can can not say stupid things because if we do, we can erase that and then we can write it again and say really what we're trying to say and then have that verbal conversation. The next is be patient with the person. Don't dismiss their feelings of betrayal by telling them to get over it, okay? We've already talked about that. That's not the time. It's not your place to say get over it. it's not the time. It's not your place to say, hey, you're too sensitive. They may be too sensitive, but that's not your, when, you, when you've wronged somebody, that's not, your, that's not your deal. Next, when it comes to forgiveness, remember that the healing comes from the Lord, not the other person. Many times we are looking to that person to bring healing to your life. And I'm not saying they're not a part of the healing, but the real healing comes from the Lord. Because let me ask you a question. You ever been in a relationship that has not been restored because of consequences, but you still need healing? That comes from the Lord. Don't ever look to me, or don't ever look to somebody else to complete you. Uh, That movie, that line in the movie where Tom Cruz is saying to, uh, what's her name? Um, Like, you complete me. (laughs) Nobody completes us except the Lord. That's a great line to say at a wedding, but it's not true. (laughs) Okay? Nobody completes you. The Lord makes us whole. By his stripes, we are healed. That word healing in the Greek means whole. He completes us not somebody else. You don't receive healing from somebody else. You receive healing. We receive healing from him. Now, to further illustrate, let's just go just a tad bit deeper. Because how many know there's, a, there's like this, there's, there's this uh, layers of, of, of a hurtful circumstance. When somebody violates you, the first thing is usually Hurt. Like, man, they they said that, or are they. How could you have done that? Are you serious? You know the, the hurt, and then give hurt about five seconds, and it turns to anger. Right? It turns to like, okay, you know what? You, how could you? It's not like how could you have. It's how could, and then that turns. It can turn to bitterness. So that hurt starts with a hurt, I'm, you hurt my feelings. I can't believe you said that. I can't believe that you had the audacity. And then it turns to bitterness, which means brokenness. And this is what I talked about at the beginning. Circle, the circle, the continue around the mountain, some of us, relationally speaking, with our parents, with our siblings, with our spouse, with relationships in general, round and round the circle because we, listen, we are living in brokenness because of something that happened unrelated to your spouse right now, unrelated to your friend right now, unrelated to your company right now, unrelated to your church right now, but you have been hurt and that hurt turned to anger and you allowed that anger to turn to bitterness and that bitterness means a brokenness. You are living in dysfunction. It's like a cycle with every relationship. Or it's not wrong to be hurt it's not wrong to be angry. But it is wrong to let that turn to bitterness. Be angry, the, the scripture says, and sin not. So when we get angry, it's not wrong to be angry. But then it turns to, okay, you know what? Again, open heart, I'm going to forgive, which means there's a, there's a life of healing. So, so I want to live my life that way. I don't want to live live my life with a bunch of bodies in in, in my trail because I just refuse to, to ask for forgiveness. I refuse to forgive. I'm telling you, that will bite you. And what the scripture says, Jesus says it himself, that's the way the Father will treat you. Doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have mercy on you. It just means that, okay, the mercy that I have shown you? All right. You want to be in prison? You're going to be in prison. And you and I, and listen, I know the wounds are deep for some of us. I know it may be this way or it may be this way. I'm mostly talking about this way, but it could be this way too. And I'm just telling you, you're not God. Go back to the book of Job, where Job, you know, you, know, you know, has this conversation with God. I can't believe this. What did I do wrong? What did I do? And after, he does chapters of that. And then all of a sudden, God just says, hey, you know what? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you? Hey, you want to talk to me? I'm God. Okay, so I'm not saying God's not intimidated by your questions. I'm just saying, you want to have an open heart? You want to have healing in your life? Or do you want to have brokenness? Bottom line. Now, now. This is the part of the scripture. We're gonna to go to Matthew, back to Matthew 18. This is the part of the scripture that we don't go to typically when it comes to forgiveness, okay? This is what, I don't know why, but we go to that first part, which I just read. Let's go on in Matthew 18, and I have two other things to say. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now some of us didn't know the scripture was in there. We've been waiting all our lives for this. (laughs) Right? We were like, that's in there? Oh, man. Thank Lord. Thank the Lord. Okay. Hold on. So, the first one is, is be open to forgiving. The second thought is this there is a process to approaching violation. And, and I'll just be quick with this one. You know what the process is? Private. The process for violation is not social media. The process for violation is not in your home group saying as a prayer request, hey, you know, I hate to bring this up, but I'm just asking for prayer. Can I just tell you, when that starts happening, warning, warning, because what's getting ready to happen is sin. And I've done it, and you've done it. You know we, we, You know why we do that? Because we're hurt and we want other people to, to kind of take up our offense and, and like be mad at that other person with us and just, hey, would y'all pray? There's been a break and, and they have, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, and just, I'm just asking you guys to pray. No, you're not. You're asking them to get on your side. You're asking for justification for your, for your anger or for your bitterness or, you know, whatever. And I'm not saying it's not natural. I'm just saying there is a process to approaching a violation and that process is you go to the person. Does that make sense? And if that doesn't work, take some friends that are godly, not like friends, you know, but but friends that will, you know, help in the situation and then bring it to the leadership of the church and just say, "Hey, we're trying to figure this out." The next, the third observation is this. We are not required to restore every relationship. And some of you needed to hear this. Many times in a message, and I'm guilty of this, many times in a message, I leave it open-ended. I'm just like, hey, you gotta forgive everyone. You gotta forgive, you know, and that's true. You do, and I do. But it leaves the connotation that every relationship has to be restored. And that's not true. Verse 17, again, Matthew 18. If the person still refuses to listen, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now, this is, not, this is not the license to be mean to them, and now I can go to social media because they're a pagan and tax collector. No, but this, to me, what this means is that you've done everything that you know to do within your power, and I've been here, I've been in this situation where I have done everything in my power to make it right, and I wasn't the one in the wrong, and they refused, and I, you know what, to this day, that same friend that I was talking about a minute ago, that I'm, I'm like this. You're not getting in, in, in again, because I don't trust you. And they're a believer. But they're like a pagan and a tax collector in a sense because they're so immature and they're so insecure and they're so prideful that they can't just admit and say, you know what, I was wrong and take responsibility for the action. You and I are not responsible to heal and to restore every relationship. All we're responsible for is having an open heart to forgive. Releasing that person sometimes there's not a restoration in sight. And everybody look at me. That's okay. I'm getting ready to read a scripture, but I'll, read, I'll quote part of it right now. As much as it is within us to live in peace with everyone. Now, having said all this, okay, talked about forgiveness, what I, what I want to end with is not really a positive thing, but many times, have you ever seen the movie Taken? Liam Neeson, he's one of my favorite actors. He, he gets on the phone, somebody's, a, it's a terrible movie. And as far as, you know, the theme of it is like, oh goodness, I couldn't imagine. But he, he's a dad, but he's also some kind of CIA operative and, and he knows all these special skills. And he gets on the phone with the the people who have, who have taken her his daughter. And he gets on the phone, he says, I will find you, and I will kill you. Many of us will not only love that line, we say it with our actions with people. You know what it's called? Revenge. Here's what scripture says about revenge. Romans 12, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, can we just say it together? Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now, how many know sometimes, don't raise your hands, but this is easier said than done. But sometimes we just say, you know what? You better not sleep with your eyes closed. You know, I, I will never forget this. And I will pay you back. When you least expect it, you know, I will find you. <laughs> right? And I know, listen, I'm, I'm human. I don't know what I would do in certain circumstances. But I hope, listen, I hope that I can trust the Lord. There's a story, his name's Frank. I'm gonna let you watch the video instead of me tell the story. But you talk about a hard place to be in and a hard thing to do in forgiveness and revenge. I want you to watch this and then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna ask you three questions. Let's watch the video together.
2: His first fame came when he was just a teenager. In 1936, he made the U.S. Olympic team. At 19, he was the youngest qualifier in the 5,000 meters. He didn't win, but Louis Zamperini became a household name, a sports hero. A few years later, the nation was at war. Zamperini was a bombardier in the Army Air Corps. On this very day, 69 years ago, his B-24 crashed into the Pacific. Zamperini was near death when he was captured by the Japanese and taken to a place known as Execution Island, where every known prisoner had been put to death.
0: They took great joy in telling somebody we were gonna be executed, you know, and they'd always go through the motion.
2: It got even worse. His fame back home led to hours of torture and beatings at the hands of a sadistic guard nicknamed The Bird.
0: I couldn't bear a look in his eyes. I just couldn't do it. They were, to me, they were that sadistic.
2: When he wasn't being beaten, he was starved, like most of the Americans held by the Japanese. But somehow, he survived. Haunted by nightmares, he turned to alcohol. Then, in a last-ditch effort to save his marriage and perhaps his life, Zamperini joined his wife Cynthia at a prayer service led by a young Billy Graham. Graham's sermon touched on the power of forgiveness.
0: It was the first night in two years and a half that I didn't have a nightmare, and I haven't had one since. So it, uh, the forgiveness it was the complete healing factor in my life
2: which is why Zamperini decided to commit himself to a lifetime of forgiveness. And that meant he had to go back to Japan to see the prison guards who'd tried so hard to destroy him.
0: The most important thing in my Christian life was to know that I not only forgave him verbally, but to see him face to face and tell him that I forgave him. No, I think that's the hardest thing in life, I think, is forgive. Hate is self destructive. If you hate somebody, you're not hurting the person you hate, you're hurting yourself. And uh, that's a healing. Actually, it's a real healing forgiveness.
1: Three questions Is there anyone that you need to forgive? This is where. Uh, many times we, we we go no no I think I'm good, uh, but I want you to really think and and pause for just a second. One one of the hardest things I've ever done. I don't know if it's hardest, but when you have to ask your kids for forgiveness, you know as a, as a, as a parent you're disciplining your kid and you you allow anger over wisdom, and and you you discipline in anger and and it's you know. I've, there's been there's been a couple times I've had to ask for forgiveness, and and some of those things you don't think about. You know, we don't think about those things. Um, we just kind of feel like as a parent, oh, you know, as a parent, I have that right. Well, maybe maybe not, but we, but can I just tell you, you always have the right to say, hey, you know what, Dad, Dad, Dad overreacted. Would you forgive me? I don't know who that person may be. It may be yourself. Maybe God. Or maybe someone in your past. The the second question is, is there anyone you need to ask for forgiveness? You need to go to them and say, you know what? I, I need you to forgive me. The third, is there anyone you need to confront? Now this is tricky. Sometimes, I think it's sometimes it's good just to leave things alone because you know how they are, you know what they do, how they respond. So I'm just going to leave that alone. But sometimes it's good to confront and say, hey, can I can I talk to you for a second? You've hurt me. Or I mean, I've heard this. Can we talk? I mean, what what was going on? And, and this is that process of violation where you'd go privately to someone and say hey you, you've hurt me because again when, sometimes if you don't do that you're the one in prison because you hold that against them they may not even know they've done something or forgotten and yet you hold it against them and you're the one in prison all of these things guys it's not to make your life more difficult it's actually to make your life better That's what Jesus does. That's why He taught the way He taught: turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, forgive, ask for forgiveness. So, those are those are things that bring healing to our lives, and it stops the cycle of dysfunction and abuse and, and hurt down through the line. And you and I get to choose. You and I get to choose if we're going to live our lives in brokenness or if we're going to live our lives in healing. You and I choose by the way we forgive or we ask for forgiveness. Lord, this is uh, complicated. It is. There's some intricacies about relationships that can't be covered in 30 minutes. But God, I pray that our hearts would be sensitive and open, that the walls of pride would crumble and that the the, the heart that is open to forgive, the heart that is open to ask for forgiveness would shine through. God, many of us have chosen to live our lives in brokenness. And in the natural, we have every right to do so. But what that has brought in our lives is brokenness and dysfunction. And what we've carried on in our families or in our relationships is that same kind of dysfunction because we're holding on to something that we need to let go of, and we're in prison. We are in debtor's prison. Father, you have forgiven us of our sin. Help us to forgive those who trespass against us. In Jesus' name I pray,
0: amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.